0: Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Uh, The series that we brought up is How to Be Rich. Does that sound good to people? How to be rich? Does anybody know what it actually means? Alright, well I'll tell you what it is not. It's not How to Get Rich. I know, I'm so sorry about that. You thought I was going to tell you about how to get rich. Because you know what, here's the truth. There is a whole world out there with lots of secular literature on how to get rich. And in fact, the truth is is that there are lots of people around in the world today who would love to sell you a book and tell you about how to get rich. I don't want to tell you about how to get rich. I want to tell you about how to be rich. Because there's a difference between getting rich and there's a difference between being rich. And I want to make sure that as people that love God and follow Jesus, that our attention is on the right stuff and we're all focused on the right stuff. And I'll tell you the other reason why we're doing this. I've been um, the senior pastor of this church now for uh, two and a half years and I've never done anything on, on money or finance uh, just because I didn't feel led to do it. But at the beginning of this year, I prayed into it and I felt like God said that this year would be the year that He would would want me to speak on this topic. So everything that we, we preach, we really pray into at the beginning of the year. And so that's why we're doing it today. Also, in addition to that, the truth is, is that I think money is something that was important to Jesus. How many people would agree with me? Okay, so not everyone. Well, let me convince you, all right? Because 11 out of the 39 parables that Jesus taught were on money you find that interesting? Over 25% of the parables that Jesus taught on were about money. Did you know if you go to the Gospel of Luke, that if you read that Gospel, you'll find that one out of every seven verses actually deals with money. And let me tell you something about uh, money. There are over 800 scriptures on the Bible that deal with the issue of money. You know why? Because money is never really about money. Money is actually all about you. I thought it'd be great to do a series to find out um, if you've got money or if money has got you. Because there's a difference. And you know, the truth is, is that people, there are some people out there in the world, money's got them. I want to make sure that we are not the kind of people that are interested in getting rich and not the kind of people where money has us. We want to be the kind of people that are focused and have our eyes and our attention fixed on Jesus and that money doesn't have us. We've actually got it. In other words, we are its master. We get to tell it what to do. Does that sound OK? All right. So you understand why we're doing it? And I'm not telling you to get rich, am I? Of course, you can do that if you want to. Let me pray. All right. And then we're going to get into it. Father, we thank you so much for your presence here tonight. And God, just uh, even as we were in worship, Lord, we just sense that you're here and you want to speak to us tonight. Lord, I pray that as we uh, continue to listen, as we hear, as we worship you, I pray our hearts would be open. God, I pray that tonight in this place that there would be revelation, revelation from you about, about all the stuff that we're talking about. And God, I just pray for transformation. Every time we come together and we lift up your name, Jesus, we want to align our thinking with what your word says. And we want to make sure that our heart's are right before you. God, I pray that tonight that happens. And I pray that in your name. Amen. All right. So let me tell you, uh, read you a scripture. This comes out of Isaiah chapter 32 and in verse 8 and this is what it says but he who plans noble things and uh, but he who is noble sorry plans noble things and on noble things he stands but he who is noble plans noble things and on noble things he stands you know let me tell you something from the get go you are a cannibal To God, or just accountable, but especially to God for what you do with what you have. You're accountable to God for what you do with what you have. Now, here's the thing. We would go ahead and use a word in, in church. We would use a word called stewardship. It means that you manage something on behalf of someone else. And you know, the truth is the way I see it is that God has given us so much, and it's our responsibility to manage what God has given to us, and we're kind of stewarding all the things that seem to come our way. You know what happens when you begin to steward something? You begin to build a life for yourself, depending on how you steward your resources. You know what it says in that scripture that we just read? On noble things, He stands. You know what that says to me that, on noble things we 're standing that 's the life that we 're building. How many of us understand that every, with everything that we do, everything we do we 're building our own lives? and you know the truth is about this some everyone 's building something, but i 've got to tell you some people are far more intentional about what they 're building than others, and we want to be intentional about what we 're building. You know, uh, many years ago, I used to work at a liquor store, Liquorland, and um, I worked there for for a number of years, and I remember one day, I was just stacking slabs of beer, and I had finished my uni degree, and I kind of slipped into this mode of just going through the motions. In other words, I'd done my degree, but I wasn't actually looking for a job in the field that I studied in, and it just kind of became really easy for me. I had 24 hours part-time work, 24 hours a a week at the liquor store, and I'd show up, and after a of months, I began to think about it. And I thought, you know what? I'm just coasting through life right now. I'm just drifting through life. And I thought to myself, I feel like I'm building my life right now. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to be, you know, 40 years old and still working part-time at a liquor store. And the only thing that was going to make the difference was what I did with the uh, life that I had in front of me. I'll tell you what really gave me this revelation. I'm, I'm stacking slabs of beer. And I thought to myself, one day I'm probably gonna get married and, and, and then I'll probably have kids. I thought, wow, would I wanna be doing this? And by the way, if you work at a liquor store and, and you have a family, it's fine. It's just, I, didn't, I knew it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And I'm stacking these things. I thought, I don't think this is what I should be doing for the rest of my life. I'm gonna to have to provide for my family. See, in your 20s, when you finish your degree and and maybe you start to look for more secure work and and you're trying to find the right thing, maybe in your 20s, you're trying to find the right partner. Maybe you get married and maybe in your 30s, you know, you're really focusing that career or maybe you're starting to build a family yourself. But here's simply my point. With every subsequent decade that passes, you are building a life for yourself. All I want to say to you tonight is start to think about the life that you're building for yourself because it's on that thing that you'll stand. You know, when it says the word noble, he who is noble plans noble things and on noble things he stands. That word noble, here's what it means in the Hebrew. It means that there's a willingness of your heart. There's willingness of your heart. It means more than that. It also means that you can be spontaneously generous. That's what it means to be noble, that you're willing and that you're spontaneously generous. And I'll tell you something else that it means. We're not really too familiar. We don't call people nobles anymore. You know, if you ever watch Braveheart and they say, well, that person's a noble or something, or you, you watch some, you know, movie like that and they use that term. Here's what it actually means to be a noble is that you represent your leader really well. You represent and imbibe of the leadership that you're under. And let me tell you what it means when Isaiah is talking about being noble we're supposed to represent the heart of our Father. We're supposed to represent God. And because we're under His authority. And I tell you, I want to be the kind of Christian that when people come and they don't have any faith at all, and they meet me, they have to walk away thinking, God must be generous because I just met that guy. And if God is anything like Him, He is a generous God. But how many of us know that, you know what, sometimes there are some Christians that you can meet and they're not generous at all and I kind of think like they're just giving God a bad rap you know they're just they're, they're just maybe a bit tight you know and they think well if that's what God is like maybe I don't want to know him I think we need to represent our God and I think we need to represent our father well in order to be able to do that you need to know what you've got so you, you can be responsible with what you have does that make sense you're with me so far All right, well, here's the thing that I've discovered. There are lots of people in our culture and our society, particularly in Australia, who have no idea what they have. No idea what they have. Why don't we look at a couple of stats here? This is really interesting. If you're in Australia and you earn $46,000, you're in the top 4% of earners globally. The top 4%. The thing is, in this country, I think the, 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 the average salary in this country, and don't worry if you sit above or below it, it's not important. But the average salary in this country, I think at the moment, is around $60,000. So if that's the average, it means the average salary in Australia puts you well within that bracket of 4%. Now, you would never go ahead and call yourself rich, but you know what? You sit in the top 4% of earners globally. And you know what? People that I meet, and even in my own life, sometimes we can find it really easy to complain about things that happen in our life. Let me tell you something. If you've ever had a money problem or a money issue, you couldn't afford to go to the movies or you couldn't afford to put petrol in your car, that is a rich person problem. That's a rich person problem, and we in this country have so many rich people problems, because the truth is, you know what? If you've let 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 me give you a scenario. You get in your car, you start it up, as you start to drive down the road, you notice that the gauge says that, that your tank is nearly on empty. You think, I better fill up with petrol. You pull into the petrol station, you get out, you fill up the car with petrol, and oh, so embarrassing to you because you don't have the money to pay for the petrol you just put in your car. You're so embarrassed, but your visa card's just declining every time because you can't afford to do it. And you're embarrassed and you think that you're poor. You ain't poor, it's a rich person problem. You know why? You got a car. You have one. And people all over the world don't have cars. People all over the world are struggling. They're in poverty. They're impoverished. And here are rich people saying, I can't afford to put money in my car. I'm poor. You're not poor. But it's so easy to think that we are. And I'll tell you why it's so easy to do that. Years ago, there was a group called Gallup. And they did a study. And that's a group that sort of measures trends and market trends and things globally. They do a lot of surveys. And when they did their survey, they decided that they would launch an investigation and and, and some research into trying to discover what people thought about being rich and who people thought the rich people were. And here's what they discovered when they began to do their, their research. They discovered that when people, whatever people earn... Rich is roughly double whatever you earn. Rich is roughly double. Rich is double whatever you earn. So if you take a person that earns $25,000 a year and that you say, hey, what's a rich person? Who's, who's rich? And they say, well, a rich person is a person with $50,000. Anybody that earns $50,000 a year, they've got to be rich. You know why? They learned to live on 25. If they had double what they had right now, life would be easy, right? Kind of makes sense. You take a person with $50,000 and you say to them, hey, what does it really mean to be rich? They say, or well, who's rich? They say, well, a rich person is a person with $100,000 because i learned to live on 50. So if I had double that, think about all the disposable income that I would have. But you know, you go to the person with 100, what's rich? 200. And this is what they discovered is that rich is subjective. Rich is subjective. Rich is elusive. And the funny thing about being rich is rich people never think that they're rich. You know why? Because they always look at what they don't have. And this is the other thing. You never feel rich when you focus on what you don't have. As long as you stay focused on what you don't have, and as long as you identify your wants as needs, you will always feel impoverished and rich will always be the people that have more than you. But to be honest, you sit in the top 4% of people globally. So if you do that and the average income in Australia is $60,000, can can I tell you something? Are you starting to get the picture? You are rich. But if rich is always out of reach, you'll never see yourself as having the responsibility to what? To be generous. You know why? I don't need to be generous. You know who needs to be generous? Those rich people. Who are they? No one knows. We don't know who the rich people are because if you ask them, they say, it's not me. I'm not the person that's rich. The person who's rich is the person who has more than what I have. This is something that people discovered when they did their research. They discovered that rich people are bad at being rich. And we don't want you to be bad at being rich. We want you to be good at being rich. That's why we're doing this series right now. They said that rich people are bad at being rich. So they conducted some research and what they did is they went again and they said, all right, well, let's take a person with $50,000 and let's try to understand how much income a person with $50,000 gives away. Here's what they discovered. When the average income was $50,000, people gave away an average of 6% of their income. This is American stats. It's not Australian. Sorry about that. It's just that they didn't do Australia. So that's all I got. But this is what they discovered. They said a person with $50,000 would give away on average 6% of their income. I won't ask you if that seems generous because there'll probably be mixed responses right now. So the person who lives with $50,000 is able to give away 6% of their income. That's impressive. So you know what they did? They went to the people that earned $200,000 at the, at sort of like, not the other end of the spectrum, but a, but a fair way up. And they said, all right, the people that earn $200,000, let's see how generous they are with what they have are they being responsible with what they have are they being accountable with what they have here's what they discovered when the average income was two hundred thousand dollars people gave away an average of four percent now how is it possible that people that earn more money give away less do you want to know how they bought into our culture that says upgrade your lifestyle. And when you're always upgrading your lifestyle, you'll never ever feel really rich because your money is always allocated. If you're always buying a bigger car, if you're always buying a bigger house, if you're always upgrading your iPhone, if you're always buying things that you don't need and you identify your wants as needs, the person with $200,000 will say, but I'm not rich. I don't have all this money to go away. It goes here. It goes there. I don't really even get to see any of it. If you gave that budget to the person with $50,000, they would say, are you crazy? You earn four times as much as I do. If I had your salary, I could learn to give so much income away. Do you know what would happen to the person if you gave them that budget? They would probably end up spending it the same. Because people are accustomed to adjusting their lifestyle depending on their income. See, when you think about what it really means to be generous, I don't know what your opinion is, but 6% is more generous than 4%. 6% is worth a a, a lot more, percentage-wise speaking, it's worth a lot more than 4%. And here's the thing, I'm not saying that these people aren't giving. I mean, they're clearly giving. But you can give and still not be generous. What do I think? Well, you know, what I think is if we're supposed to be noble and representing our Father, that we should be people that are generous. Do you agree? If we're going to be representing our Father and we think that He's generous, should we not also be generous just as He is? I think that we should be. You know, Jesus told a story, a, a parable about a rich fool. And I'm going to tell you what that parable is right now. So here's how the story goes. There's a man. He's like a farmer and he's, he's got all his wheat and his grain and God blesses him. And he has this incredible harvest. He, 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 get, he gets so much grain and he has a problem. It's a rich person problem. He has nowhere to store his grain. You know why? He's got too much of it. Oh, you feel bad for the guy, right? It's like, oh, my bank account can't contain my money. You know, you feel bad for this guy, right? So what does he do? Well, God blessed him. I wonder what God thought that he was going to do with what he gave him. But here's what he did do. He said, I'm going to tear down the barns that I've got because they're obviously too small. And I'm going to find a new way. Listen in. You ready? I'm going to find a new way to contain what God has blessed me with. I'll build a larger barn. That's able to contain the blessing of God. And when I get that, then I can say to myself, soul, relaxed, you know, be at peace. You have ample stored up for many years. In eat, drink, be merry, you know? And God comes along and he says to him, fool. You what a foolish person you are. We don't think that rich people are fools. In fact, you know what? When it comes to rich people, depending on how much income someone makes, we normally think rich people are smart. Guess what? They're not. Sometimes they're often bad at being rich. And this guy, he's really bad at being rich. And God says, you know what? You're a fool. And here's why you're a fool. Because you know what? You've stored all this stuff up for yourself, but your soul is required of you this night. In other words, he says, you're about to die. And this could happen. He says, you know what? You've saved everything. You've kept everything for yourself. And now all the things that you've kept, whose will they be? Whose will they be? Where's all your stuff going to go? Don't you understand that if you're just sowing into stuff on, tre- on, on earth, that you're just laying up your treasure on earth, that you're not building anything eternal, that you're not building anything of significance? See, this is the thing. This is, this is, this is what we must understand about rich people. Rich people are sometimes really bad at being rich. And what they need to be is to be generous. The rich fool, he didn't understand this. So rather than be generous, he just kept everything he had and he contained it for himself. You know what, when we read that passage and we sort of trying to figure out, you know, the end of that passage really says this. He says, he says to the rich um, fool, he says, you know what, you're a fool. And then he says, so is the person who is not rich towards God. That's the end of the parable. This is where Jesus finishes. He says, so is the person who's not rich towards God. What do you think it means to be rich towards God? You reckon he's struggling financially, I reckon he even has you know struggles at all like well what is he got to buy i mean, he has everything have you ever, how many people have read that passage? How many pe- none of you jeez, all right well, get into the word of God, it'll help you you know but but here's the thing what do you think it means to be rich towards God? Well, you know what we're so lucky because Jesus actually told us here's what Jesus said about that he said because he told us what it means to be rich to God. He says, uh, he's telling a a story and he's talking to his disciples and he's talking about the end of the age. And he says to him, at the end of the age, when we're trying to figure out who's genuine and who's not, I will say to those who are the righteous, I'll say to them, you know, hey, thank you so much, because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me, you know. And he goes on he says, all this great stuff that they did for him. And they said to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you in need? When did we see you in prison and clothe you? When did we, we never saw you ever. You know, we spent all of our time on the earth, we never saw any of that we just saw people and Jesus says you know what what you do for the least of these you're actually doing for me you see we're supposed to be rich towards people when we're being rich towards people we're being rich towards God that's the parable of the rich fool the rich fool, you know, he, he was in a position to help other people. What did he do? He found a new way to contain the blessing and to contain what God had given to him. He could have been generous, but he wasn't. I think that we're supposed to be generous people. You know what the opposite of being generous is? It's being stingy. It's being tight. Have you ever gone out for dinner with someone and when it comes time to pay the bill that they will just count out the five cent pieces because God forbid that they would actually pay any part of your bill. They would hate to think that they accidentally overpaid, but why not just tip the waitress? Why not just give more? Whenever I go out for dinner, I always want to pay more than what I ordered. Someone down here is saying, dear God, for the love of God, please tip the waitress because she works as a waitress. Anyway. And see, that's the point that, you know, if you've ever gone out for dinner with a person like that and they count out to the very cent and they say, well, I paid my bit. Now it's your bit. I don't think that that's representing the heart of God. So here's what you guys need to know. This is what you've got to understand about all of this. You need to be rich. You've got to understand, first of all, that you are rich. Do you understand that? You're rich. And I know that you might not think like that. But according to global standards, you're rich. And you have so much and you have great opportunity to share what you've got. You need to be rich towards God and you need to be rich towards others. And I'll give you two really important reasons why you need to do that. Number one, you're responsible to God for, uh, to, to manage what He's given to you. That's the first one. You're not just responsible, you're accountable. And you know, the truth is there'll come a day where you'll stand before God. He goes, what did you do with what I gave to you? And it's going to really matter then. And at that moment, you know what you'll think? You'll think... Thank God that Pastor Ben preached that message because when he did, it transformed my life. That's what you'll think, right? Thank you for your overwhelming support about that. But here's the thing. God will ask you at one point in your life, what did you do? With what you have. And before you say, hang on a sec, this is crazy. Look, the truth is, is that my parents got together, I was born, and it's like this is all just random. I don't really feel accountable for this. I just showed up here at this point in time. Uh -uh Uh-uh. That's not what the Bible says. Because if you actually read it, what the Bible says, is that God determined the allotted periods of time. Do you understand and realize right now that God knew that you would be born in Australia? If you were, don't know everyone here. But He knew that you'd be born in Australia. Do you know that He knew that you'd be at this point, at this time, right now? He knew you weren't going to be living 100 years ago. He knew you'd be here right now. In fact, may I dare say this, did He actually planned it? It's not just random events. God planned for you to be here right now. Why do you think He did it? With all the planning that He did and the complexities that would take to plan the universe, He allocated your time period to be right here and now. And there'll come a point at the end of your life where He'll say, I planned for you to be there at that point right then so that you could do something with what I gave you. Now, how did that go? And you want to really think about that. So that's the first reason is that you're accountable. Here's the second reason. You need to know that you are rich because... You'll never actually think that you're rich if you always compare yourself to someone wealthier. You'll never realize. You, you, if as long as you think that the rich person earns double what you earn, you'll never understand and wear the responsibility to be exceedingly generous because you might end up thinking that you're impoverished when actually you have more than most. Does that make sense to you, Nick Bell? Nick Bell who knows Nick Bell? You shouldn't know him because I went to school with him. None of you would know him. That name's not familiar to you, right? But (laughs) Nick Bell, Nick Bell, he, he finished high school in year 10. And he went out and he got a job and he started earning money. And then he would stop by school when the rest of us were in school and still studying and still learning, he stopped by school um, when he got his license. And you know what Nick Bell was driving at the time? Yeah, you guessed it. He was driving a VN Commodore, Commodore with an aero body kit. And that is what the car looked like. Now, you got to understand, some of you, this car, like, you're like, I've never seen one of those in my life. <laughs> VN, like, the truth is, I had to search so hard to find that picture. It's like there's no pictures, there's not even pictures of VNs anymore, you know? But I had to search to find that. And here's the rest of us, you know, the rest of my friends and I, we'd be saving to buy these really crummy average cars. And Nick Bell, because he's rich, he drives around in that car. And he would pull in, i like, look at all his money splashing around like that. Oh, you're 18, you got your license before the rest of us, and now you're driving a really cool car. Like Nick Bell was rich. You know, the truth is, is that if I'm always saying that Nick Bell is rich, because he drives a better car than me, you know what I'll never understand? I'll never understand that I'm rich. And if it's always the other guy that's rich or the person with more, then I'll never see it as a responsibility of my own to be generous with what I've got. I can't always look at life through the lens of what other people have and through the lens of what I don't have and say, they're the rich people. They're the people that are responsible to be generous. No, hang on, wait a minute. Listen in. We've got to be generous from where we are. That's what it means to be rich. That's what it means to be noble. That's what it means to build a life. You're going to build something. I want to build a legacy of generosity. I want to build a life of generosity. And I'm sure that you guys, as you're starting to hear this, you've got to be thinking the same way. Do you know what? Uh, This is what I understand. If I always think that other people are rich and I don't have the responsibility of being generous, uh, this is what I've learned. I ruin Opportunities for myself and my future with God. Now, just think about what I said for a moment. Don't just instantly agree. Think about it. I just told you that if I'm not generous, I ruin opportunities for my future with God. Not sure about that? Let me share a couple stories. Hopefully, change your mind if you don't. Here's the thing there was a man named Abraham. And Abraham was called by God to leave the country where he was and to go to a to a, to a far off land that God was going to give to him. This is the call of Abraham. He says, "I'm going to absolutely bless you. It's going to be crazy." He goes, "Your descendants will be more than the stars that are in the in the skies in, in the night sky." He says, "I'm going to bless you and bless you. It's going to be great." So Abraham goes, "Great." Goes gets his wife Sarah and he says, "Babe, we're moving." So he picks are up, they move. And you know who they take with them? They take Lot. Lot was his nephew. So they get Lot and they they all sort of set out together. Now, who had the calling? It was Abraham. But he takes Lot with him. And you know what? Because they were already kind of wealthy, they both had herds of sheep and animals and that. And the herdsmen between the two Lot v. Abraham parties, started sort of bickering about land and where, hey, that's my sheep's grass. Get away from it, you know. They're fighting over who's got what grass and what patch and what territory. So Abraham comes to Lot and he says to him, hey, this is crazy. This would be so bad if we actually lost relationship because of this. So I tell you what, Lot, you ready for it? Here's the generosity right now. You take whatever land you want. You just have it. I mean, I haven't heard from God yet. I know he called me out. I don't have that land yet. God's never pointed at it. But you know what? I just feel like I'd rather keep relationship with you. So you know what? You take the, the, whatever land you want. And Lot's standing there. And you know what Lot does? Lot looks out across the land and he sees the land of the River Jordan. Oh, sorry, of the Valley of Jordan. And he sees that the land is fertile. There are wells there. And he says, you know what? I'm going to take this land. And he took the best land. Abraham says, that's fine. It's no problem. Do you know something? Immediately after Abraham was generous to Lot and gave him whatever he wanted, immediately God shows up and God says, all right, now I'm going to give you what you wanted. I'm going to give you the land. Look out as far as your eye can see. All of this I'm going to give to you. When did the blessing come? When did his future arrive? Right after a moment of incredible and outrageous generosity. I'm telling you, being generous changes your future. It opens doors to your destiny. I'll try another one with you. There was a man in the Bible named Cornelius. You can read about him in Acts chapter 9. And I've got to tell you, Cornelius is one of my favorite guys. And you know what? It says that Cornelius, that his prayers and his arms ascended before God as a memorial. Now, when I say his prayers and his arms, I'm not saying his prayers and his arms. Like he's not saying... Your arms have ascended before me as a memorial. That would be so weird. He's saying your prayers and your arms, A-L-M-S. You know what arms is? It's generous giving. He says your prayers and your generosity, your generous giving, has captured the attention of your Father who is in heaven. Your generous giving captured his attention. Do you know that because of his generous giving, it actually got him completely tied into the story that we read in Acts. We'll know Cornelius until Jesus comes back. Why? His name's in the Bible. His word will never perish. We'll know Cornelius for the rest of eternity. You know why? Because he was generous. He was generous with his giving. And this is how he was included in the book. You know, Cornelius got this vision from God. At the same time, Peter, the great Apostle Peter, he got a vision from God. And when they joined up together, the revelation came forth and suddenly Peter realised that the Gospel of Jesus Christ was suddenly meant to be available not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. Do you understand how significant that moment is? In all history, the moment that the Jewish people suddenly realised this isn't just for us, this is also for the Gentiles. How was Cornelius is wrapped up and tied into that story. His generosity, it captured the attention of heaven. Sounds unbelievable, doesn't it? And yet it happened. I'll tell you one more story, and this is a really good one. Abraham had a son. His son's name was Isaac. And Isaac, man, he needed a wife. So he sent out his servant, Eliza. And he said, Eliza, when you go out and choose a wife for my son, please don't choose from these tribes and these tribes because they're worshipping the wrong stuff. He goes, please find a good wife for my son. So he had a job description. So Eliza sets out on the journey. Where do you find a wife? Uh, To me, in my mind, it all looks like desert. Well, find a wife in the desert. Oh, that's going to be hard, right? I know Eliza's kind of smart because he goes to the well. People come to a well, don't they? And so it says that the women were coming out of the village and they were coming and they were sort of trying to collect water and take it back to the village. And to save himself some time because he wasn't really sure what he was supposed to do, he puts out a fleece. That is to say, he said something to God. He goes, if this happens, I'll know it's the truth. And here's the, here's the fleece. Here's the prayer that he prayed. He said, I'm going to ask a woman to give me a drink. And when she gives me a drink, the woman who offers to water the camels and to give them a drink and and look after all of the camels. That will be the woman that you've selected for me. Do you know something? It says that before He even finished saying what He was saying, this woman shows up by the name of Rebecca. And and she she was pretty. She comes along and He says to her, Hey, listen, could you give me a drink? She says, Oh, my Lord, not only you, but I'll give also all your camels a drink generosity. You don't know how generous this is yet, but you're about to. See, I thought, well, uh, so she gave the camel some water. Awesome. You know, did you know that a camel can drink 25 gallons of water in one standing? 25 gallons. That is a lot of water. Do you know how many camels Eliza took with him? 10. 10 camels at 25 gallons each. The well was not this well where you'd come to and you'd wind down a bucket and then you wind it back up and it brings up the water. Do you know the well, it was 50 steps down into the bottom of the well to pick up the water and take it back up. Well, I just thought, I don't know how many litres of water are in um, a gallon, in one gallon, but I kind of did some of the maths. And I figured out that actually she would have had to carry up nearly 950 litres of water for those camels. Do you know what? A, a, A litre of water is roughly one kilo. All right, so you got it? You ready for it? Here's how generous she is. The woman carries nearly a ton of water to feed and, and water camels for a man she's never met. This didn't take five minutes. This is like all day backwards and forwards until all the camels are watered. You know what happened? When she, when she waters, and waters the last camel, suddenly Eliza comes forth with the truth. He goes, oh boy, you have no idea what you've just done. She's like, well, I've got a fair idea. I spent all day doing it. He says, you have no idea what you've just done. He speaks to her brother and it ends up, she ends up becoming, Rebecca ends up becoming Isaac's wife. Do you know what? Her name is recorded in the Bible and we'll read it for all time. You know why? Because of her generosity. It was an act of generosity that opened the door to her destiny. How many people miss out on the door being open to their destiny just because they haven't learned to represent God well, to be generous and to be noble? Oh, wouldn't it be such a sad thing? To get to the end of your life and realise you missed opportunity here. You missed opportunity there. You missed it. Why? Because you know what? We had a stingy mentality and a wrong heart. We just didn't represent our God well. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live like that. I'll tell you what we need to do. Really simple. I've been saying it all night. You need to be rich. You need to be rich towards God. You need to be rich towards other people. You just need to be rich and be willing and be generous and be noble so that not only will you help others and please God, but you too, you could even find that you opened the door to your destiny. And you know what? You may never see it. You may never even know about it. But you know what? Your prayers and your arms, your generosity could ascend to God and be a memorial and it could capture the attention of heaven and change everything in your life. And you may never even connect the dots. It's just what God is wanting to do. Can we stand together tonight? I wonder how many of us have ever thought like this. I wonder how many of us have ever really considered, am I really being accountable with the stuff that God has given to me? I bet you no one really thought about the fact that they were missing their destiny because they just weren't generous enough. And yet, when you read the Scriptures, I just gave you a couple of examples. To be honest, there are heaps, so many more. It's not a once-off. There's not the only three. I wonder how many of us are being generous with what God's put in our hands. I wonder how many of us have ever really identified that we are rich. We're rich in this country We have rich people problems, but we're rich in this country. You know what I think? I think that we need to be responsible with what God has given to us. Is that all right? Awesome. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com, or download our app online and have a great week.